You're listening to Men With Spirit. Join us as we explore what it means to be a modern man and live a spirited life. G'day and uh, welcome to episode 48 of Men With Spirit at Radio Karam. And uh, today's topic is the truth about love. If you're new to the show, um, our aim is to explore topics, ideas, knowledge to help you become more authentically connected to yourself and others, to be more genuine. And integral to this is to live your life according to your values. And this show is an extension of the work that uh, Steve and I do with our Men With Spirit weekly men's group. And speaking of Steve... Yes. G'day, Steve Angel. Hello, Peter Anthony. How are you? I'm... uh, are you asking? Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, how I'm are you good. feeling? I'm, I'm, I'm feeling very um, hopeful, positive, um, and pleased with the developments over the last week. Uh, there was a big show for me last week. And, uh, it was. I want to ask you about that. <laughs> what had kind of um, feedback, reflections, thoughts have you had uh, about uh, last? It's been good. It's, it's interesting. I was reflecting over our, uh, the, what, the 47 shows we've done up to then. And it's it's been a journey for us uh, mm-hmm. individually as well as you know the guests we've had on board and all that sort of thing. And I certainly felt it uh, it reached for me personally. It reached a bit of a crescendo last week, and uh, it's been good with the um, the feedback I've been getting and some development since then. So that's been really uh, really positive. Um, and last weekend, I went uh, visited some friends down at in Gippsland, uh, mm-hmm. particularly around Menion, and had a great old time down there. And anyone that hasn't uh, been to Menion, you've got to go there. It's a great little great little town. And in particular, we went to um, Moo's restaurant uh, in uh, Menion with. Uh, the owner is Marty, and last year I, I, th- I shared on air that I went to a thing called Mardi Gras. Yeah, and anyway, it's repeated this last weekend. There was about uh, probably not as many as last year, but probably a couple of hundred or something like that people. And we had this wild sort of Mardi Gras event on the Saturday night at the Menion Hall, and that was great fun. And uh, it was a really fun weekend, just and sharing that with uh, with friends. And uh, yeah, and it was it was. A lovely, um, a lovely weekend. It was a lovely weekend. What was your outfit? I was very subdued this year. It was uh, sort of a, a <laughs> very <laughs> well, I, subdued. That's so disappointing to hear. Oh yeah, look, I was uh, wasn't well organised. I just ended up going to some novelty shop and getting a few you know colourful things. So that was about it. Okay. But that um, no, was good fun though. It, it was just it's fascinating how in a little town like that you've got farmers, you've got all sorts of people, such a wide diversity of people. Mm-hmm. That come together to um, celebrate diversity, mm-hmm. and uh, it was great, good fun. And how um, how are you, Steve? And, and what what was uh, what's the best thing that's happened to you since we were last on air? What's oh, the best thing that happened to me? Wow, wow, Peter, that's a big question. Well, uh, let's just say socially, I went to see a concert last week. Uh, Anthony Kalia and Tim Campbell. Yeah, I saw um, something on Facebook about yeah, that. It looked really good. Yeah, it's very good. If anyone is, was, was watching them during lockdown, you would have seen all of their lockdown videos that they did. Uh, a lot of um, lip syncing and silliness. And that's kind of now transformed into a concert series in which 
I think in Melbourne they have 11 sold-out shows. Now, I'm not really? selling tickets or anything here yeah. because there are no tickets available, but we had the opportunity to go. They, I think they've done like 26-something shows around the country. Golly. It's been phenomenal, actually. Um, and they're a wonderful- what, what was so good about it? One, it was a storytelling. It was a little bit of a storytelling about the two of them. It, actually, their love story, if you yeah. want to just put it in context about what we're talking about today, how the two of them met, and then they shared sort of the stories about that. They spoke because they met in musical theatre uh-huh. doing uh, the musical Rent in Perth. That's how they first met. And then sort of went through the process then of Anthony being through Australian Idol and then musicals that Tim, were on, Tim was on. And also then, you know, what happened during lockdown. So there was a musical journey through their story. And the two of them have a very sort of, they're very, um, they're very funny. They have great sense of humor. There's a lot of silliness in the, with the two of them. Um, and I think that's what kept everyone really interested and really sort of engaged with them because they're very genuine, authentic uh-huh. kind yeah, of people. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like that comes across very strongly. Um, they're very extravagant on 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 stage. And um, I think that just, there was a very lightheartedness about it. Music was great. The f- singing was great. I, I got to hear um, Anthony sing the prayer, which obviously he's very well known for. But it was so powerful. I mean... I never heard it live. I heard yeah, it just on, yeah, you know, Australian yeah. Idol and I've heard it on the radio, but it was it brought a tear to my eye. I think it brought a tear to most people's eyes. It was it was fantastic. So at the end of the show, how did, how did you feel? Ah, elated. Uh, we were up and dancing at the end. I think the entire we we're at the palms at Crown. We we're all up dancing, we we're having fun and the entire crowd was involved. And it was interesting. It was quite an older crowd. Uh, I think everyone was probably over the age of about thirty five. Um and it was just something that we all connected with. I think they're very relatable as a couple too. Mm. Very relatable. Um, yeah, great bunch. And I work, I've worked with both of them mm. I- I- through the events industry and uh, I've met them a few times. So it was just nice to sort of be a participant and just watch them and do their thing. And a good example of um, same-sex love. Absolutely. And, and just the depth of that love that came through. Absolutely. The, the two of them actually got married in New Zealand. I don't know oh. if you know this. They got because it wasn't legal here at the time. Right. Yeah. So this is about, I don't know, 16 years ago they did that. So, yeah, they're, um, they're a good example of just two people, irrespective of the fact that they're the same sex. Yeah. Just two yeah. people going through relationship and all relationship issues that come with that as well. So, yeah, that's what I, that was a highlight actually. Good. Yeah, it was good. E- excellent, excellent. Speaking of love, yes. And uh, and the theme today yeah. is the truth about love. And as we explained in our last episode, uh, both you and I, and and in your case, uh, well, I went to the Truth Conference in Vietnam with Sphinx Spiritual in September, and you went to the following week the Love Conference yes. with your wife, Alicia. Yes. And... Uh, uh, <laughs> And we thought last time we talked about truth, this time we thought we'd focus more on love mm. with the focus on your experience and, yeah. and you and Alicia. And uh, we did invite Alicia yes, to Yes, full come disclosure, on. I did ask her to come on. I think she thought about it for about 12 seconds and then went, no, I don't want to do that. Oh, well, but but I have, at least the offer was there. Yes, it was. It would have been good. And However, um, I do have her permission to share 
you know, what, what happened share? within okay. reason. <laughs> yes, we don't, we don't have too much. We don't have too much revelations. It goes you know. back to our comment last, in the last show about how much uh, truth or how much information is too much. So yeah. We don't need too much. But um, certainly one of the things that we certainly believe is the uh, one of the major reasons we come to earth each life is to grow in love. And, um, and I think collectively the world at, right at the moment could do with a lot more love. And uh, we thought it was an important topic to, to cover today, Steve, mm-hmm. and um, particularly from your personal perspective um, with um, what you went through there and what you uh, learnt. Um, so that's going to be the focus of this show. Um, perhaps I could just start. So it's going to be primarily you sharing your experiences and your but insights and I'm gonna, wisdom. I'm going to wrangle you in. It's oh, not going to okay, be all about okay, me. Okay, right. <laughs> I, I did do the conference uh, some years ago. Interestingly, um, the, the person I did it with at that time, shortly thereafter, we, we sort of uh, were no longer together, but uh, still very, uh, we were very good friends. So mm. it was uh, interesting. Um I suppose the first question I'd like to ask, Steve, is is what drew you in to do this um, conference with Sphinx Spiritual on on love? What, what was the attraction for you? And, and Alicia, because you decided, perhaps bravely some would say, to mm. do it together as a couple. Well, if I spoke to you only, then I don't <laughs> think I would have done it. Oh, come on, come on, come on, I was just stirring yeah, you up. Yeah, uh, it worked. Uh <laughs> Listen, I have to be really um, honest as what I need to be. Um, it really was something that Alicia wanted more than I did. Um, I I didn't feel – I don't think I felt courageous enough to want to do this. I felt like there would be a lot of exposure and vulnerability going in as a couple um, and talking about love. And I would have to say that, you know – I'm so glad that I did go and I realise now how much I needed to go. Why we went and why I I know that Alicia wanted to go um, was that we've been together for 23 years, married Mm -hmm. for 21 years. Mm -hmm. And we have a good relationship. Uh, There is – and I think we knew that there was more to the relationship than what we had. 21 years, you become quite comfortable with somebody else. There is a routine in your life. In our case, to not having children, children not being part of our family, which it never happened for us, also probably created a void of an experience that we didn't share in that 21 years either. So for us, it was where does this relationship go? How does it get deeper? How does it become more fulfilling and how does it become more honest and, and how are we going to take it now to the next 20 or 30 years in so, our life? So how did you know? You said you, you, you said before we knew there was more to it than what you had. How did, where did that knowing come from? I think there's – well, there was obvious conversations that were coming. It's mm-hmm. like this is not enough for me. I need more. Um, and also the routine – it was that feeling of the routine, sort of like you, you feel like you're going through motions and you're thinking, is this enough? Like, is it enough? Sort, of a, sort of a flatlining. Flatlining, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And like I – on the surface, it's a good relationship. And, you know, I get excited to come home and um, whenever something happens in my life, 
the first person I think of is Alicia and I want to share that with her. So that's not to say that there was friction and there wasn't conflict, but it was still lacking something. Mm -hmm. And so that was primarily the reason why we wanted to go. And, and I feel that we were rewarded for going and doing this and being quite open. And that was a commitment we both actually had with one another was that we were just going to give it our all when we get there. Uh, completely surrendered to whatever is going to happen, as uncomfortable as it may feel and be, especially for me, I don't like to be, while it may come across that I'm overly confident, there are some situations where I don't want to be that exposed. Mm -hmm. But I made a commitment to myself and to her that I would do that so that we would get the, the, the most impact and the most benefit out of being at the conference. So you, you weren't overly diverted by going off into town and shopping and... Going to the beach and all that type of thing? No, well, I went to the beach because yeah. it's there and I love the beach. <laughs> so it's a good little time out. But no, we kept dis we kept those distractions to an absolute minimum. Mm -hmm. I think we arrived. I th we may have done something, but we really didn't want to do anything like that. We really wanted to focus on this. Um, we allowed and for it, three days and after to just enjoy. Yeah, and our time. Um, and just to put it in context, we're saying uh, it was it's a five-day conference. There were something like 38 people, I think, 38 did people, the conference. Yeah, yeah. And it's in one room in a large yeah. circle and you're doing various exercises over the five days. Mm. So it's it's fairly intensive sort of um, conference, isn't it? It is. It is. There's and nowhere what, to hide. No, no. There's nowhere to hide. And what, what were your uh, expectations going into the conference in terms of what you were likely to have to uh, deal with? Um, I, as I've done other conferences with Sphinx before, I knew, I knew what kind of things to expect there. However, I didn't know exactly what to expect. And when it came to something like this, which is the first time I've done a, say single topic kind of conference, like, like love or mm -hmm. truth, um, I didn't know. I was worried because of, you know, things that people had said about the conference. Um, and it's a very, it's a very... Well, what, are they, what had been said to you that made you worried? And don't well, just point the finger at me. <laughs> <laughs> there, were, there were things about, you know, um, are you going to be really exposed, you know, doing it as a couple, you know, that's really, you know, it's quite brave of you. Um, so-and-so did it together and they're no longer together and things like that, which, you know, didn't, didn't help. But... Um, I didn't feel like that would be the case for us, mm -hmm. but I did know that we would be exposed and where the things that I could no longer not see in our relationship would be shown to me. And I knew that would happen. Um, oh, I've forgotten the question, <laughs> my expectations. Uh, I just knew you have to surrender. I just knew I had to surrender and I had to be honest in all of my reflections if I held back and if I didn't participate and give fully, I knew that I'd be robbing myself of a better experience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if, if someone was listening to us now and, and let's say at some stage in the future they decide to do the love conference again and you're in a, a relationship, would you recommend someone? 100%. I'm not even going to so, hesitate. 100%. Mm -hmm. 100%. If you want your relationship to get better, if you want to discover how 
deeper it can be it can be and to actually see the areas and the gaps that you probably don't even see that you have at this point but it's a feeling that you know there needs to be more but you don't even know what that is 100 percent. i don't think you know whether it be sphinx or anything else what i learned was that Love's a love's a lovely feeling, and it's 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 momentary, and but it re- needs work. It really needs work. It's not something that you can say, "Oh, we had it, and we still have it in our relationship." Yeah. Well, just on the the subject of love, like, what is it? I mean, so what's um, what's your understanding of of so going into the conference? Yeah. What was your understanding of love, mm. and the, the different types of love? Um, because you can be very narrow and look what's your answer to that just what's your what were your expectations or what was your um, understanding of love before going to the conference think, and how yeah. did it change over the, the course of the conference yeah I've, I've had time to reflect on that I was I was I would say that if someone asked me how if I was loving I would say yes I was a loving person mm-hmm. and I would predominantly show that through acts of service that I I I gave to other people, especially to my partner. You know, whether it be I like to cook for her um, and I like to clean up after dinner and I like to have, you know, clean up after myself and keep the the areas clean. And so doing those kinds of things that I was doing for myself and for her and to show that, you know, I loved her. And and I realised that I was mimicking more what I was shown as a child about acts of love and, this is from your parents? Parents, yeah, yeah. This is mm-hmm. kind of how it was shown to me. Yeah. And this is what I believed was enough. Mm-hmm. And that was the most – but it was also the way that I was the most comfortable in showing love. Mm-hmm. And that's how I entered in, thinking that that was enough mm-hmm. and that somebody would understand and extrapolate from those acts of service that I love them very much, maybe not – show them enough of that or tell them enough of that. So you didn't actually, you may not necessarily verbalise it, but your actions, you thought, well, it's self-evident. That's I love right. you. Yes, okay. it's self-evident. And mm-hmm. I, I'm here and I'm dedicated to you and, and you know, I want to be here mm-hmm. with you and all of those things, which were through my actions and my, my loyalty and my um, commitment and all of those things. But it's not enough. It's not enough. Particularly if the other person has a, a different um, language of love, yes. in, in terms of their expectation of how love is expressed. That, yeah. that book on um, you know the was it the five languages of yes. love or something. So, um, well, without going, yeah, to, yeah. Uh, without going into too much detail, let me say, would Alicia say that that's um, you expressing love in that way was uh, enough? Or she was expecting more. She's yeah, expecting more, okay. and she'd been verbal about that. But mm-hmm. I wasn't. I wasn't taking that on. I was probably as a male taking that as a, a slight on my, you know, my loyalties. If you know, I'm not. I am. Why aren't mm. you seeing this? Why aren't you accepting what I'm giving is enough? You now want. You need. You need from me more than I think I'm willing to give, or I'm comfortable in giving. Or showing it in a way that I don't, that I'm not comfortable doing, mm-hmm. and what what really became apparent was that if we accept the different languages of love and using that term from mm-hmm. that book, mm-hmm. which I think people will 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 accept and will identify, and it probably has a place to some extent. But what was really clear, and, and I remember writing this down, was 
everyone gives love differently, but at some stage they need to change this to make giving love more obvious. And that's the stage that I believe that I was at. Mm-hmm. I th- felt that it was enough, but it wasn't enough for my partner. And probably the truth is the way that she was showing love to me wasn't enough for me, but I had accepted that that was enough. Mm-hmm. And it's so whether you say you're this kind of, this is your kind of language or this is the way that you show love, your partner, especially at 21 years together, is going to say that I need more than this. And what I really, what I really understood was that if you can't speak about love, you can't have it. People want to hear it. Mm. Your partner really wants to hear how you love them, what you love about them. Yeah. And relationships over time change and evolve. Well, they should. They should constantly be yeah. uh, changing and evolving. And uh, I've, it's been put to us at various times that it's um, a good discipline, if you like, to sit down the two in a relationship. Let's talk about love in the context of relationship. Mm-hmm. To sit down and to um, write down your expectations of each other and how the and just to review yeah. how's the relationship going and what what could be done differently to enrich the relationship going forward. So that idea that uh, and you mentioned the period of time you'd been together and this was a uh, um, a chance to, I suppose, reset the relationship yeah. and look at it in a different way. So that idea of periodically, and, and we've been, it's been suggested to us that that be done annually, that you sit down and think, how's it going and what could be changed and what could improve? Yeah, it's, a, it's, a, it's a actually and it's an excellent ac- exercise and one that you can just, you could take your anniversary date hmm. as that date every year and and. Make it more than just gift giving. It's just saying, okay, so what What have I done well and what do you need more of me? What, what do I need to do more for you? And you also share what you need more of that partner and then you set new expectations. Think of them as new vows that you make to one another and that you're constantly, like you said, evolving because I think that's where in particular in my case and probably very similar to a lot of people out there is that you – you have this burst of kind of love and commitment and you feel like love doesn't need growth, but it does. It needs to evolve as you evolve as people. And we can become very lazy in our commitment to yeah, love. Absolutely. And we're, we're talking very much in the context of a relationship. Yes. Um, but obviously we can get on but later it, it on. Could, about, yeah, it, it, it could apply easily to like friendships mm. Um, to with your children yeah. as well. I mean, it doesn't really matter. Although, you know, in this context, yeah, I'm talking about my experience with my wife, but I don't think it matters. And I think that we need to be more willing to be, to grow love. Yeah. And particularly as, you know, we certainly believe that the reason we're here is to grow in love. And if we just sit back and don't um, critically um, reassess how we're going and mm-hmm. are we doing enough and are we expressing uh, love enough and are we open to love? Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're really big questions. So o- over the co- uh, conf- the course of the yeah. conference, how did your understanding of love change? What was what was different by the, the end of the conference for, for you and Alicia? Uh, oh, there was a lot. How was it different? I think the realization that 
it's an ongoing process. And that verbalizing how I love her and why I love her is so important. And it's because in the, in the process of doing the conference, we were asked to express ourselves verbally in various ways. I won't mm-hmm. go into those specifically, mm-hmm. but in various ways. And that was very openly and publicly. And in that, I know for both of us, we heard things about what each other loves about each other mm-hmm. that we hadn't actually really verbalized. And there was, there's a sadness in that, in thinking, wow, you've thought about this about me for such a long time, but you've never actually told me. And why? Mm. Why not? Mm. Because it, makes, it, it made both of us feel beautiful. It made us feel loving. It made us feel connected. It made us feel, feel uplifted and expanded. And it made us feel like we were seen. And I think, wow, such a, it's so silly. Like it's, it's such an obvious thing to do, but not something that we were doing. Mm. But it had such a profound effect on both of us. It's like, wow, how many times as thoughts going in my head about my partner where I should just say, you know, you look, you look, um, you look beautiful today. Mm. Or I really want to thank you for, for doing what you did yesterday. It really made a difference to me, you know, sitting down and just saying, you know, I really appreciate you being here with me and, and the support that you've given me. These little things or, you know, I, I like the way that, you know, you know, I, I, I like the way that you look in that dress or, mm. or whatever the case may be. It's these moments of just sharing the truth mm. about that, how you feel. Yeah, that open, honest communication and, yeah. and not being afraid to express it. And, and one thing that was an, when you asked about what I learned about love, one was that, Love is giving a part of yourself to someone else. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's a big thing. And I think that if what that meant and what I understand it to be is that when you share something and it's not just words, it's the energy that comes with the words, mm-hmm. you're giving a part of who you are to that other person and that, keeps, that makes you vulnerable in doing so. Because you're sharing something of yourself that is precious to you, mm-hmm. that you, you have probably for most of your life been trying to keep, you know, protected. Yep. And you're going, here, I want you to have this of me. Mm-hmm. My words, my feelings, my energy, my love, it's yours. Mm-hmm. And it may not come back. You hope that it does, but it may not come back. But you're giving to you. And that's what makes love so powerful, but also so, so scary for a lot of us to do that because we have you have to get it back you have to give it yeah well, this expectation that you'll get something in return surely one of the things we should do if we're we're trying to be loving to other people is to give that love and share that energy mm. without the expectation you're going to get anything in return but mm. that you are loving Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and hopefully at some stage become unconditionally loving and, and, and not expect that if I give something, it's a transaction that I need something in return. But yeah. the ideal situation is, you know, we talk in terms of relationship with you, me and we, that yeah. there are three aspects to a relationship. There's each of the individuals and there's the relationship. And you give love to the other person to help grow that relationship. Mm-hmm. But the... Um, Sometimes it isn't returned, particularly outside a relationship. You may not get it returned, but 
there is a, um, a hope that we're, we're all loving and we will share that love with other people. And that really comes down to your experience with love, mm-hmm. um, your experience with sharing your feelings, and I guess ultimately it will come down to how honest you are willing to be with yourself and with other people. And the more honest you can be, you'll be able to share those feelings openly. And if you can do that, there's a freedom in doing that because you think about what you can get back when you do that. And that includes love. Mm. And, and I think we, we touched on it last week. Uh, I, I certainly shared my experience that I felt I hadn't been honest with myself and truthful mm. to myself. And if you're not doing that, then you can't expect to have a, um, a full a relationship with other people. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. It's so what else did you learn about love in the course of this uh, amazing conference? <laughs> Transformative conference. Transformative. Um, what else? What else? I think um, I think one of the other the aha moments, mm-hmm. there were many, I'm going to go mm-hmm. with one more um, at the moment. That was, you know, the steps to love. Uh-huh. This was a surprise. Um, again, I won't go into too much detail about it, but you know, we were shown and we, it was shared with us that there are 28 steps to, to love. And, and are they sequential or No, they're almost kind of, they will exist right. at, at times within the relationship, but they all need to exist in various degrees. And was there a recognition when these were shared with you? Yeah, there was. There was like, oh, yes, we've got that, we've got that, but there was a recognition that, no, we don't have those two or three things. You know, we, we don't have them. And that was a bit of a surprise, but it was clear that, okay, these are the areas that we need to work in expressing our mm-hmm. love mm-hmm. with one another. And it was a surprise because I don't think I'd ever heard that before and I don't think it was ever spelt out with such clarity and detail as to what are those those feelings and behaviours and those recognitions of what love in a relationship actually means. So these 28 steps were in the context of a relationship? Yes. Yeah, and, and, and my understanding is... Um, uh, there are practitioners that certainly have been trained by a sphinx that are um, relationship yeah. counsellors and or coaches rather. Yeah. And uh, one of the things they do is focus on these twenty eight steps as sort of a, um, uh, a self assessment yes. of uh, how the relationship's going and, and areas for obvious improvement. And uh, that would be extremely useful, I would think, to you know, as a bit of a, a check in. Know, if you're doing your annual check, we'll talk yes. about before, to have that as a checklist to say, well, how are we going on that mm. one or that one or that one, uh, that would be quite useful, wouldn't it? Absolutely. It's not making it too analytical, is it? Or No, I don't think it is because I think I think when you look at the, the items on the list um, you know, and the steps on the list, right? I don't call them the items, the steps, yeah. they're a reminder that you need to, to keep the love alive. And it's, again, I come back to, it's, it's work because it requires effort and it's effort that has an amazing reward mm-hmm. for it. And if you think about it, if you can do this here in this, in this, in this relationship, imagine where else it's mm-hmm. that kind of commitment and dedication to growing as a person and giving mm-hmm. your love mm-hmm. and receiving love will then play out in the rest of your life. I think that's, whilst it maybe points, it's just constant reminders because I think we get lost 
will get lost in the little things. It's usually the little things in your relationship that become the big things mm. and mm. they're stupid things. Mm. You know, you when you share... unimportant, important. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. When you share it with a friend or a colleague or something, you go, this is going on. I mean, they're probably thinking, you're going, seriously? <laughs> the dishwasher again? Yeah, yeah, what yeah. is? It's not, it's not the dishwasher. You know, and that's what tends to happen is we get lost in those things and um, we have to be reminded we pulled out of that. Yeah. Mm. The 28 steps, it reinforces this um, uh, idea that love in a relationship in particular is multifaceted. It is. And uh, part of it is the language of love, but there's all these other considerations you need to have uh, have regard to. It's your accountability. It's mm-hmm. their accountability. It's the work that you're both putting in and it's the commitment to, gr- to a greater love, you know, to not settle. And that's another point, but maybe we'll bring that up in the second half. Um, one thing about the 28, which mm. was really interesting, was that, you know, we often talk about love at first sight. Yes. Yeah, that was interesting, that there was no real love in that sort of initial phase. And what I found fascinating was that it's really a mixture of a few things. One, um, infatuation, passion, and a recognition of a prior recognition mm-hmm. of this of this person mm-hmm. may actually exist in that infatuation you that you prior, know them. Prior recognition, what do you mean by that? What I mean by that, if you accept that we have multiple lives and reincarnation mm-hmm. that we've not been here before, then sometimes when you've met someone, you have this instant connection to them and you're sort of thinking, why do I feel like I know you? Mm-hmm. Like I feel like we, we've been together before. Yeah. And that can sometimes been play with the love. It's a prior recognition, not just a love. Love will come later. And apparently, it's not, it doesn't really exist in those initial three months. You're really just attracted and it, it, it's, it's, it's a chemistry, it's, it's, it's physical um, and anything but love at that point. And, and I found that a fascinating distinction between that and what real love is about. Mm-hmm. And I think we've all been through those periods of time where we get lost in that feeling and think that's... And when, when that three months or that initial sort of burst of, oh, wow, it's so amazing to be with this person, that starts to fade. We start to freak out and think, oh, the love's gone or what we had together is not there anymore. Mm-hmm. That's kind of really when the work needs to start. You know, that's when you start to sort of move beyond in the next stage. What's the relationship between love and growth? Because we, we say that one of the reasons we do that the men's group is to men helping men grow. And uh, so it's about growth, but what's the relationship between love and growth? Um, My understanding and I think my own experience, growth means I'm willing to be uh, the best version of myself. Mm -hmm. And in being the best version of myself, I'm willing to push aside all of the things that stop me from showing up, from being honest, from um, being big in myself. Mm -hmm. And when I can be big in myself, I'm more confident, I'm more self-assured, I have greater self-belief and self-worth. And I therefore would naturally want to share more of that. And when I want to share that, I'm sharing really myself and therefore love. And so I grow, I, I'm growing in love by growing as a person. Mm. That's my, my understanding. Yeah. What and, is and, yours? And that energy you're sharing, when, you talk about, when we talk about sharing energy, mm. it's hopefully it's a loving energy. It's a loving energy. It's, it's all about love. 
the reason we're on earth should be to grow in love and to be loving towards each other. That's what makes this um, whole situation with wars and the inequality and other things going on in the world so um, emotionally draining. When you yes. look at this, if you're a loving person and you see mm. all this and you think this, this is just so debilitating and mm. uh, it's, it's, it's then coming to that sense that um, you don't give up, that you, you've you really got to double your efforts to, uh, to be more loving rather than, you know, um, just throw your hands up and despair sort of thing. We can't give up. See, no. if we give up, no. then we let that negativity, we let that hatred, we let that outrage, we uh, let that fear. violence and fear and, and consequently, in this case, you know, you're talking about war, we let that win. Mm. We let that win because we say it's too hard to remain loving. Mm. But loving doesn't mean that you are a fool. It doesn't mean that you are weak. It doesn't mean that you are ignorant of what's going on. It just means that the commitment to move beyond what's easier, which is sometimes just being angry and and hateful and fearful, you're going, I want to work beyond that because the better outcome for all of us is love. Yeah, and it's it's you choosing to react or respond. Yes. Like Leonardo said... Um, I mean, Leonardo uh, da Vinci. Yeah, that um, uh, love overcomes fear and hate. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what we've got to do. We've got to respond to the circumstances around with, with love, and which is very hard to do at times, particularly if, if someone is being very hurtful to you. Mm. Um, to then turn around and send love to them as a, a counter to that yeah. um, negativity that's being directed at you. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, we're going to continue the conversation, but I thought we might um, cho- uh, yeah, play, play one, one, of, one of your pieces of music. Now, I gather you and Alicia have both come up with a song. Each. Well, I felt like it was only appropriate to ask her for a song because, yes, you know, yeah. it's all about equality yes. and it's all about sharing and this is our story that I'm sort of sharing today. So I asked her what song would she like to nominate that represents love and gives her feelings of love. And she has chosen this song called Thank You by Led Zeppelin. Okay, we'll hear that now and then we'll come back after that. I'm Councillor Chris Hill, Deputy Mayor of the City of Kingston, and you're listening to Radio Karen. Right, we're back. Um, my name is Peter Anthony. I'm here with Steve Angel. And uh, today, we, in this episode, we're discussing the truth about love. And you've shared your experiences and mm. prior to that break, uh, Steve, on uh, your experiences in Vietnam on the mm-hmm. Love Conference. Um, now, is there anything else from that conference that you particularly want to share? There is one one thing that also stood out. I mean, one of many, but one was um, the role modelling that our parents give us about a love relationship. Mm-hmm. We're all affected by that. That's the primary relationship in our lives where we're seeing what love looks like between two people. And for most of us, the relationship then dictates or influences how we then have our own relationships with other people, which is very, you know, very well known, very understood that, you know, I'm going to see how my parents and that's generally how I'm going to behave in a relationship because I see that as a role model. We were told that the most important thing is that you have two choices. You either 
do the same thing or you change it. And you change it because you recognise that what they were doing doesn't sit comfortably with you. It may, yeah, and it may not be enough. Yeah. It may not be enough. But ultimately, ultimately, the, the bigger goal from just even recognising that, you know, that I didn't get enough from my mum or I didn't get enough from my dad, so therefore I need to do something different, is the, the, one, the one part of it. The second part of it, which I found really, really mind-blowing because I love looking at things from bigger pictures mm-hmm, sometimes mm-hmm. too, and that is if we all just settle on doing what our parents did in our relationships, then love doesn't actually grow no. or deepen mm. in the world. Yeah. We're actually pretty much where we were in the last generation. Yeah. So even if your parents actually had a good relationship, and you think, well, that's good. I want to copy that because that was a good, loving relationship. The challenge is, is take it deeper. Yeah, take Ma- it to the next the next level. Yes, yeah. yes. We don't want to settle for what our parents had taught us and then their parents had taught them because all that's doing is keeping love at a level where it's not growing. And the world needs, and you mentioned just before about war and what's going on in the world right now. It is all a consequence of the way that we have received and felt love or the lack of it. Yeah. Yeah. In terms of the children mm. deciding to go to the next level in terms of love, um, it, inherent in that is the idea that as parents you encourage your children to be independent, to um, uh, look at things differently, not to just follow their mould, to yes. be open to new ideas. So one of the, the key um Imperatives for a parent to prepare their children for life is to give them confidence to be independent and to follow their own path and not to blindly follow what the parents did. And it also requires the parents to do something they don't particularly want to do, and that is to be honest about their own flaws mm. as parents and as uh, of, of people role-modelling love. And so the more honest that a parent can be with their child about, look, I'm not getting this right. Mm. And there are times where I'm not going to get this right. You just need to understand that I'm just, I'm doing my best and I'm trying. Mm. What that does is it gives the child an indication that this is not perfect. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And that it's okay to be honest about that and give then the child the, the, the willingness to go okay. So it's all right to make mistakes, but it's even better to admit that you're making mistakes. You're not doing well and I will try even harder. And that is a big thing that I think that if if we're more honest with our children about our mistakes, our failures, our flaws and our attempts, which are not always great, then they understand that it's okay. Yeah, look, I I think that's a really, really good point and it certainly touches me very directly because... I mentioned last week that I'd written to my kids mm. about a few issues and, and one of them was just um, owning up to the, the realisation or admitting to them and to myself that I hadn't been as good a parent as I imagined I had mm. been that, and there are all sorts of shortcomings and I apologise for that. But that honesty um, I think yeah. is a critical thing to do and I'd say it's never too late to own up and to be honest and to... Um, share those sort of things with your children. Um, the sooner you can do it, the better because it gives them more time. But yeah. the thing is, 
it's important for your own growth to recognise those um, shortcomings and failings and say, well, um, don't do what I did. You know, th- there are all these other opportunities for you and, you know, and apologise for the things. And yeah. sometimes people go through life and they never really recognise that they've stuffed up and there are things they've done that they re- uh, regret or, you know, with the knowledge they have now you do differently. But... Um, it's important. I, I totally agree with you. It's mm. important to share that and to be honest and to share those feelings. Yeah, mm. yeah. That was that was a big, another big realization. That I went, wow. That's I can see the impact, the the ripple effect that this would have yeah. on not just our own lives, but everyone else's, our communities, the world, and so forth. And we need to head head in a different direction. Obviously. Yeah, and we have been told that this ripple effect. So if we um, were able to uh, raise our children differently. And to you know, encourage uh, independence and and so on, um, we could change the genera- the world in, in a generation if everyone parented in a different way. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it is it is powerful stuff, and it, it does start in that family, whatever the family structure is. But you know, it, it does start in the family, doesn't it? It certainly does. Um, so we've talked about relationships as yes. such, but. And particularly looked at love in the context of a relationship, but more broadly, uh, I think we had a conversation a couple of weeks ago talking about um, you may be looking for love just in, in through the lens of a relationship, but you may in fact be getting love in various ways from you know from friends, mm-hmm. uh, from the broader family, from interactions with um, with strangers. It's mm-hmm. it's this. Um, Sharing of energy and being open and complimenting people. You know, going back to the show we had with Victor Purton, he was very big on uh, optimism. Yes. And just being positive and um, sharing that um, positivity as a counter to negativity. And that's about sharing love and in, in its various forms. And compassion is a form of love and uh, empathy and, and so on. I think that's really important. I think, yeah, we can be so concerned that love needs to appear in a certain way to mm. us. And then we miss those moments in our day where, you know, a dog may come up to you in a park mm. and then just, you know, wag its tail at you and just give you its full attention for a few moments. And in that moment, you've got a connection and you're feeling mm. seen and and, it's, and a being wants to be with you, you mm. know. Um, or there's just that smile from somebody that, you know, at a sh- uh, the barista at the coffee shop. And it's just this knowingness and just saying thank you for coming and um, seeing you. And these little moments we kind of can sometimes just dismiss because it's not the way that I want to receive love. Mm. But if we become more aware of them and more appreciative of them, then just then, th- then think about how your mind starts to change its focus. It starts to look for these rather than just dismissing them. And you start to think, wow, and start to f- I stay now start to feel more loving because I'm feeling more love. Yeah, and, and, and it, has, it does have that ripple effect. Mm. Like in a work situation, you may, have a situ- uh, you may have a circumstance where work colleagues are negative about the situation for, mm. for whatever reason. And rather than getting sucked into that, oh, yeah, you're right there, hopeless and da-da-da-da-da, Look for opportunities to you know to look for the positives and compliment someone on on something they do or their contribution or whatever mm. and and that brightens up their day and that they then their interactions with other people is then lifted so love can take all sorts of um, different forms can't it it really can yeah, it really can 
How are we doing with time, Peter? I feel like I've been talking for like an hour. Oh, it's <laughs> but we've barely scratched the, the surface. We really but, have. Um, I wonder what, what else. Can, can I was just going to say what What do you feel most proud of that you felt you achieved at that conference, and and um, and have you managed to maintain that momentum or that commitment to the to uh, to love coming out of the conference? I think I'm most proud of speaking of love in ways that I hadn't spoken of love to my partner and doing that openly and publicly and feeling like I, it didn't matter. It didn't matter that there was 38 other people there. It was just, it was about her and I mm-hmm. and becoming more comfortable with opening up about how I feel about her. So that I'm, I'm most proud of. And, and you've continued that openness. And, yes, yeah. yes. Good. And the other thing that I, I think I'm more proud of as well is I'm not saying I'm 100% at this mm-hmm. yet, mm-hmm. so it's, it's mm-hmm. a work in progress. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. But it's starting to hear without getting defensive, yeah. seeing something that needs to be changed, not as a, you know, an attack on me because I feel like, wow, I feel like I've done this for you, but you don't think it's enough. And then you get defensive and it's all of that kind of silliness that I keep talking about. I'm trying really hard to push that habit aside, Mm -hmm. listen, because there's something in this that my partner wants to tell me that needs to change because it's not working for her. And it's obviously not working for me either because it's it's causing this reaction. And that uh, is another area that I'm, I'm working on it. And I, you know, there's been a few little hiccups here and there, but I'm more conscious of not wanting to fall into that defensiveness. Yeah. Yeah. So if someone was listening to, to all of this and your experience with the conference and everything, mm. and they were saying, okay, look, I want to have more love in my life. I want to do things differently. I want to grow. Um, what would you suggest they could do in, practically from here on after this little talk? I think the very first place is, is that if you are in a relationship, mm-hmm. sit down with your partner. Sit down with your partner, make some time and actually share how you feel about the love or the lack of love in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And you need to put it in the context that this is not an attack on you and I'm not trying to put pressure on you. I just need to express how I feel. It comes back to what we talked about with that anniversary Um, your new commitments. This is what I need more of. This is what I'm missing. What do you need more of? What are you missing? What do we need to change? If you get a positive reaction to that, you're in a really good place and then you start to make those commitments. If you're not getting a positive reaction, then you need to ask yourself, well, what's the block here? What do we need to do that that needs to change? And it may then need someone else to help you, Mm -hmm. like a counsellor or or a therapist or someone to come in and help you move to the next step because someone may be blocked by this. Someone may be afraid of what this may mean. Uh, Maybe they don't want to change. But if if you're feeling like there's not enough in your relationship, 
it, it's incumbent upon you to do something about yeah. it. So there's a positive step everyone can take is to yes. sit down and just have the conversation. Absolutely. And it could could be with a friend as well where you feel yeah. it's not working as well as it could be. So with your children, like, yeah. again, this yeah. applies everywhere. Yeah. If I need more from a relationship, so needs, I need more from so a relationship. So we can see the nexus between truth and honesty and, and communicating that yeah. and with love. It all comes to that, doesn't it? It certainly does. Truth okay. and um, love. Hmm. Powerful God. Powerful combination. Yes. Okay, Steve, look, we're uh, getting towards the end of the show. Mm. Um, uh, might just wrap up with a few little announcements. Sure. Um, it was a good show, though. Thanks yeah, for that. No, no, thank that's, you, Steve. That was, that was was, and thank you for sharing it. Um, shame we didn't have Alicia here, but um, but you you did pretty well. <laughs> it, was, it was really good. No, I really I'll get a review you. when I get home. <laughs> yeah. no, I really appreciate you uh, sharing all of that with us. Thank you. That was no, great. Thanks. Uh, information and links about uh, all of our episodes are available from the Radio Karam website, which is mm. radiocarum.org, or via our Facebook page, which is at Men With Spirit. And um, all of our shows are available on the major podcast platforms within a day or so of broadcasting. If you get it via Mixcloud or Radio Karam, you get the music included. The other ones don't include it for copyright reasons, whatever. Uh, if you want to attend any of our Men With Spirit gatherings, event details, including how to register, are also on our Men With Spirit uh, Facebook page or you can email us at connect at menwithspirit.com.au and locally we meet in Frankston usually every Monday evening but not next Monday because it's uh, uh, just before... An official uh, long uh, weekend. Yes, <laughs> cup day. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the work of Radio Karam, including our show, wouldn't be possible without the generous support of um, the various Radio Karam sponsors, which include Freddie's Kitchen, Atticus Health, Seaford North IGA, Mitchell Tour Real Estate and Tad Cabinets. Okay. Steve, we've got a final piece. One of- more song, I do. Yeah. And what's this one? This one has a significance because it was a song that the entire conference sang at the mm-hmm. end of the last day. And I think it really speaks to what we just spoke about today. And really, it's just a very good, simple message. It is by the Beatles. It is called All You Need Is Love. I think we'll leave it on that. Okay. Well, look, until next time, everyone, be true and genuine to yourself. See you later. See ya.